Hi, how are you? It's Freshman Nahal, and what's your name? Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we are like a lot of parents right now, which, uh, you know, our childcare is a little messy um, because well, everyone's getting sick. And you know, our number one important thing is to make sure that the people are alive to take care of our children are our children and health. So, nice joining us. And we're excited about it. So maybe the best episode ever. Let's bring in our guest. <laughs> is I trying to smile? Yeah, thanks, I <laughs> smiling. You want to get a lot of followers? So I met Danielle uh, through a friend, actually one of Sean's friends, uh, William, uh, his mom, Christina. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And um, as soon as I met Danielle, she came to her office and I was like, we want to do everything we can with you because she's amazing. Uh, she's part of the ENIAC network and she runs Corp Devit Chain Analysis. Um, but prior to that, has had an amazing career. Maybe Danielle, tell us a yeah, little bit about what? yourself before we before we start talking about uh, SBF and FBF. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I spent you know fifteen years doing M and A, largely from a legal perspective. I did the law firm grind for a long time. Um, and when I started kind of in M&A, the big thing was like online education and IP stuff like that. So that was like the breaking edge, right? You could go online and get education and how far we've come from that. Um, and then I was uh, in-house with a couple of roles and I was kind of like burned out a little bit on just being kind of an M&A lawyer and doing traditional M&A. And I was going to take six months and like find myself and... Um, someone I worked with, it was a mentor to me, reached out to me about an opportunity at Chainalysis. And I didn't have a deep crypto background. Um, I have like somewhat of an embarrassing intro to crypto story, but that was many years ago. And then, you know, this opportunity came to run Corp Dev at Chainalysis and I couldn't pass it up. Wait, I want to hear about this embarrassing story. Tell us all. Yeah. my So my husband is in finance and many years ago when Bitcoin was new and there was like the ability to do arbitrage, he was doing stuff with crypto. And I, um, you know, he, and I was kind of like in the periphery, like, okay, that's interesting. That's kind of your thing. And I am an incessant cleaner. I was cleaning our house. And then one day it comes to me and he's like, Hey, I'm looking for our treasure. And I'm like, uh, okay, I'm sure it's in the file cabinet. He couldn't find it. So I was like, okay, we'll just call like customer service and they'll just like give you your password and you can reset it. And he's like, so that's not how it works. It's like, this is decentralized. And I was like, there's no customer service. So I like go online and Trezor, um, of course, has no like customer service line. So then he's like, don't worry, we have a seed phrase. And I'm like, okay. And I remember that because I was the one who wrote it down because my handwriting is better. But for reasons that are not blamed on me, one of the words was missing. So now we have 23 of our 24 words and we are unable to recover our Bitcoin and our ETH. And he's blaming me for this. He's like, you've lost so much money. And then, um, and then fast forward, we came up with like a method where we were going to test each word because we deduced that there can only be so many words that were missing. So we were going to systematically test all the words to get back our missing crypto. So that obviously like didn't happen, right? Because that's an impossible task. So fast forward, I joined Chainalysis. I'm telling you know, a product guy that I met this like origin story of how embarrassed I am, that that's how I learned about crypto. And he says, I can get you back your crypto. And I was like, 
tell me. So he basically tells me this code you can download that basically runs an algorithm to figure out what is your best match for the missing seed phrase you have. And we run it, long story short, we get our crypto back. Um, so, so that is why you're like a hero in the family. Well, this guy's a hero. I anytime someone comes to the company, I say so and so, who I won't name, is my favorite person here. Yeah, but my husband then, you know, it stopped. We had been having a fight about that for probably four years that I lost all of this money. Well, you may have maybe not wanted to get your maybe not wanted to get your seed phrase, so you didn't have to look at your account for another couple of years. I know. <laughs> yeah, because then by the time we got it, he was like, "Well, look at how much money we lost." So I was like, "All right, like, you yeah, can't win them all." Yeah, basically like a random word generator, right? All right can, we, um, can we talk that, about SBF that, now? That tries to just, you know, we used to use it for hacking passwords back in the day, and um, but that's amazing that um, that they figured that out. Can we? Yeah, talk about so that was my intro. So what are your thoughts about what SPF? What are your thoughts about SPF, Danielle? The latest. I mean, it's, yeah, the latest. I mean, is I he fraud or is he like, is he just? I mean, did you see the New York Post cover from well, today? I'm asking her a question. Yeah. Is, you think he's a fraud or is he just? Um, uh, well, I mean, I, I think like when we think about SBF, we have to like always like kind of just like sit back and acknowledge that like this has caused a lot of people a lot of hardship, and I think like SBF has become very sensationalized. But there are like a lot of real people behind this who lost everything. So it's like, you know, I, I think we just have to like be cognizant that this is, you know, these failures, um, these like downfalls for our ecosystem are just really bad and real people got hurt. Um, you know, unfortunately, every industry has abuse, failure and fraud. Right. And I think my view on SBF is, is he a good actor? Absolutely not. Um, is this a learning experience for the industry? Like, absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, do I, you know, yeah. Why? What, what are your views? I didn't I didn't see the post article, by the way. Yeah. Well, well, I thought the picture was funny. I mean, I mean, I think it goes back to your point. Harry, right? That, like, Harry Potter instead of Harry Potter. And oh, gosh. And it basically said he begged for bail because he's a depressed vegan. But um, it, it goes to your point. It's like this isn't a joke. Like people's lives have been ruined people's you know savings have been wiped out like people are it's, it's just it's it's horrible um you know i i think what's in, i i there's so many things one i feel like and we talk about this the girls who code all the time it's like he typified you know bro culture right where no one asked any questions like what would they say sequoia gave him like you know gave him 150 million dollars in like 10 minutes without doing any vetting any vet. that would never have happened if he was a woman or a person period you know what i mean 100%. it would never ever ever have happened and this keeps kind of happening all the time where we give white men the benefit of that of the doubt um and we are we don't do that for women you know or we if there's you know so i i thought that that was just really 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 interesting in the, in the same way that you know he went and spoke at the new york times deal book summit which i thought that that was just again like an in, like an indicate like just entitlement right where he should be in jail um and 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 again another example of his kind of reckless entitlement um to even if, do something like that you, and but if you look at you know and i think that there's a lot of fingers pointed at the crypto community like oh it's so bad we've got to do x y and z there's scammers blah 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 but like who sbf is as a person is not dissimilar of similar players in other industries right it is kind of the same 
you know, same archetype of this person who's gotten privileged and he's given a pass and everyone says, your parents are of good pedigree and you, you tick all the boxes. So we just inherently trust you. And then now when everything falls apart, everyone looks at the industry and says, well, the industry is back. And, and Which, I feel like it's yeah. so interesting too about the role of appearance in that. Oh, yeah. I would love to talk about how he's slow, sloppy, and he's wearing shorts while he's sitting next to Gigi Hadid. You know what I mean? And it was just, it was almost like that was a symbol of like, you know, no Fs given that meant that he was smart. And we kind of, it, it's just fascinating to me. You know, back in the day, it was the hoodie with the sneakers. You know what I mean? And then it was like, you know, not taking a shower, whatever it was, right? The more you appeared to be, I don't, it was, I don't care the more money you got. And, and, and again, it's just, it's very fascinating that society or I should say VCs keep falling into this trap of <clears throat> an, what they see as an archetype of yeah. what success well, really is without doing due I, diligence. And we never I, yeah. are you founder. How do you explain yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I would say also, yeah. Sorry, we were muting uh, the two-year-old. Um, no, no I, I, I totally agree. But I also think that, you know, listen with Theranos. Right? One example, though. Right? Um, One example of like, again, countless examples of men, men who are basically, you know what I mean? But even the Theranos example, like Stanford, um, you know, white female perceived as like, I, I think it's, I think, and again, it's one example, but I think that she also fits a particular sort of perceived pedigree that gives them a pass to be enabled for this kind of behavior. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. And, 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 and I think that that's like the real kind of conversation we need to kind of have and, and keep having about that. Right. And, and, and yeah, so I think it's, I think it's, I think it's very, um, yeah, I think it's part of the story, right? And then again, I guess from a, from a <laughs> you have strong views as well. That is his like favorite thing to say. Why? Why? Because she's talking to us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you know, makes sense. Um. Don't don't get arrested. I'll give you five no. trucks. If you're no, no. So Danielle, tell us, um, like I guess what you're excited about at analysis now especially after you know the crypto because when you started um it was before the downturn right um the downturn was a was approaching like pretty quickly it wasn't like i mean people were still raising pretty big rounds but it was at the end of it um so it wasn't you know crypto winter hadn't quite hit yet um you know i think i'm excited about the fact that there are still a lot of founders doing very creative projects um, and that those seed projects are still getting funding because obviously this is, and I think maybe quieter funding, which means it's going to be a great opportunity to grow. Um, and I, I find, I find it, the things around data analytics to be very interesting. Um, you know, I find the DeFi space to be kind of continuously interesting. Um, I, I'm hoping, you know, that people bear down, we see something interesting, things get built and then, you know, funded very well in the next bull run. But yeah, I mean, I think I think I'm most excited to see that there are still a lot of founders who are pursuing interesting ideas and aren't being scared off by the tightening capital or what's happening in the ecosystem. And then, I mean, are you? I guess what types of companies are you super excited about right now? And you must also get to meet a ton of amazing founders. 
uh, building a ton of interesting companies at this time. Um, you know, you mentioned DeFi, but is there anything kind of in the downturn that you think um, is going to be particularly interesting? Like, for example, like I think at the application layer, you know, like NFTs or even token to a certain extent um, has been somewhat, um, you know, th there's a lot less interest um, yeah. there, but like from an infrastructure perspective, um, like we, we wholeheartedly feel like, you know, Web3 is going to be an extension of every company. It's just a matter of timing. And yeah. blockchain is like a very sound computing infrastructure um, that is going to revolu revolutionize every company, much like mobile did and, and you know, the, and digital and the web yeah. did traditional. But like, yeah, what, what kind of pockets are you excited about? Yeah, I'm excited actually about like the, the infrastructure pocket itself. You know, as we start to think about ways to enable companies to build on blockchain, how to use data, use I mean, everyone, every, you know, everyone says blockchain is transparent, but as we all know, you need somebody to parse, index, label, structure that data so that it can be used in useful ways. And so I'm excited about the number of companies I mean, out that are looking at interesting ways to label and use that data. Because um, I think it's going to create a whole new building environment. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's impossible to expect, at least initially, like every company to sort of create their own data platform. Um, and so there are startups from all across the world, U.S., you know, India, Israel, everywhere that are kind of building some of these um, infrastructure capabilities. And so I think what's interesting to me is to see how they grow and what use cases people find for, and by, by people I really also just mean enterprises, find for these um for these for this index data and then maybe to add on to that i'm curious to see what happens with you know web two traditional players in, in the infrastructure space like do they come into this space as it continues to grow um you know are, are they good for the space um do we turn it into another version of web two where it's consolidated and you know we have like, like a web three google um those are the kind of questions that i'm i'm, I'm thinking about Awesome. And for those of uh, for those out there in our audience that don't know about Chainalysis, um, give us like a you know a quick overview of kind of maybe the business or the core products. Yeah, absolutely. So Chainalysis now is about nine hundred employees. We've got about twelve offices globally. Um, the majority of our teams are in R and D, um, Rev, corporate functions, that kind of thing. You know, at the core, we're a blockchain analytics company. Um, we're the largest enterprise SaaS company in Web3. So, you know, our mission is to build trust and blockchains and to promote like financial freedom with less risk. And we do that through providing like data, software, services and research to, you know, for everyone from government agencies to exchanges, financial institutions, um, insurance and cybersecurity companies. Um, you know, we're in over 70 countries now. Um, and so, you know, our platform is most commonly used to power investigations, compliance, risk management. So we're helping solve high profile cyber secure, cyber crime, uh, criminal, excuse me, cyber criminal cases and uh, help consumer access to, to cryptocurrency. So, you know, I have to try to connect the dots based on what we're talking about with SPF. Did you help the American authorities take down? Well, I think the American authorities kind of got to SBF on very normal grounds, right? Like at the end of the day, like this was, you know, this was fraud. It wasn't like, I think, you know, I think there's people were always searching for ways to predict like, oh, could you have, 
gone and used blockchain data to predict this would have happened. Um, and I think it's something that people will continue to look at probably for like, you know, the next few years, like how do we use the data available to us on the blockchain to predict these kind of things? Um, but in this instance, I think it was just, it was just a matter of fraud, right? Like, I'm not sure you could have had some magic tool. That's like, this guy's going to defraud us. Totally. And I think now, well, maybe, maybe Tanalysis um, is working on this or, or, or maybe not, maybe there are other folks that are, um, kind of the ripple effect of all of right the investments and the holdings and the commingling that seems to have happened i forget the image that i had seen a couple of days ago which is just like this crazy web of like you know the ftx and alameda um empire and all the ripple effects of all the transactions so perhaps um you know perhaps there's something that you guys um will will get involved with um you know later down the road i mean i, th I think from you know following crypto twitter which i think is you know either a great pastime or a very time consuming pastime you know everyone's looking for ways or everyone's talking about what is an industry can we be doing to kind of prevent this kind of thing is it you know is it sensible regulation is it self regulation is it best practices and i think probably over the next you know call it 6 or 7 8 9 months we'll see founders coming up with ways to say, we could help you figure out, you know, mo movement or anomalies on the blockchain that could help prevent this kind of stuff from happening. Um, so I, I think, you know, where there's a problem, obviously people rush to find a solution. And even though I think at the core, everyone views this now as a fraud situation, I think people are going to rush to find solutions that could have identified the fraudster before he did something fraudulent. Yeah. And then again, I mean, these, you know, these archetypes, whether it's, you know, Elizabeth Holmes or Adam Newman, or, I mean, just kind of like these incredibly, you know, powerful founders that due to like competitive term sheets, basically um, the exhaust of like a complete lack of diligence from the investment perspective. Um, I mean, even, you know, Bernie Madoff, right. Um, and just kind of just that human psychology of like, oh my God, this deal is so hot, you know, that, um, and all these other people are in, so it's gotta be okay. Somebody did work, you know? Yeah. And, and so I'm going to now, you know, make that investment. Um, I think it's really important for everybody to have those first principles kind of on every, on every investment at any stage. Um, and, you know, hopefully, um, I think in this time as well, especially, I think a lot more diligence is, is happening, not just post FTX, just because of the market. Um, and and I was gonna ask, yeah. do you think that you're seeing a, an increase in diligence from like where you sit? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, because there's a lot more time, right? Yeah. Like I think last year at this time, you know, you'd have competitive term sheets. Tiger was signing a term sheet every 48 hours, right? And so, like you know, to win deals, you had to move extraordinarily fast, and you know diligence is a function of time you know the more time that you have the more cards you can turn over danielle so great talking to you thank you for everything that you're doing um well one question i had for danielle is like you know obviously you had a career incredible career kind of very different than web3 what attracted you to web3 um yeah so i won i was you know it was in financial services for a bit and before that i was in um big data big data has always been very interesting to me um i felt like financial services, big data had become so grotastic and there were such 
lanes established already about what kind of person like made it in that space. And people were just really carrying like a big bank mentalities with them into even fintechs. And it just like couldn't seem to break away from that. And I, I feel like, you know, the, the things they were using to measure companies, I feel like they were, it wasn't founder focused. It was very tech focused. It was like, we have a way of doing things and to disrupt that is like not something we're interested in. And what I just found with like, you know, Web3 was that it was, the landscape was changing. I love the fact that you saw founders with no finance, like FinTech background coming into the space, wearing hoodies. I love that people are having very raw and collaborative conversations about what growth looks like. Um, the conversation was just more open. Like, obviously, yes, there's still like a bro element that exists in Web3, but I found the space just to be more approachable from a we're building this together standpoint. I mean, even when you look in the wake of an FTX, SBF debacle, part of Twitter is saying, okay, guys, like, let's band together and build. Um, I think if a situation this happens like this in like Web2 traditional fintech, people are throwing punches as much as possible to be like, I wasn't the bad guy. Um, and so that part of the Web3 I found really attractive and I wanted to challenge myself in a new space. Amazing. Um, and... I mean, how obviously you you're still as bullish as ever, right? On this space, yeah, it, it seems like seems like actually you're even more bullish during the downturn and even post FTX. So there's more opportunities for founders to fix things and yes. for things like basic guardrails and compliance and you know, which is like true of any nascent industry. Um, right. What do you think about kind of you know regulations? Um, I know you guys are in 70 countries, you said. Yep. Um, and so obviously the U.S. is a very different environment, you know, than, um, well, you have India and China on one end. Um, yep. U.S. maybe kind of in the middle versus like even, uh, I don't know what the most regulated countries that, you know, from a from a crypto perspective would look like. But what, like, what are your thoughts on like, you know, are things like this going to incite the government, the SEC and the U.S. to regulate more aggressively? And like, I guess, how does that affect the ecosystem for founders building in Web3? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, obviously, if you see like the, the build up came out today that, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren backed, obviously, she's looking for aggressive enforcement. You know, I, I personally, I don't like to see the approach being like, let's just be aggressive, because I think part of it is like regulation that also enables innovation and protects consumers. And there is a happy medium and we can find it. So I, I hope if anything, and I think this is what you hear a lot of people in the industry say when they're asked about it is like, can we have a dialogue? Because SPF is not reflective of like crypto founders. He just is not. You know, he came from Jane Street. He is a TradFi guy, right? He's a TradFi guy who came into Web3 and did something very bad. And so you know, you sit and you hope that regulators are hearing this and they're like, yes, this is the time for us to actually sit down and figure out how do we regulate this in a, you know, a reasonable way that doesn't stifle innovation. I would be lying if I didn't say, is regulation coming? Obviously it is. We saw a bill get put forward today. So, you know, do, do yeah. So I think it's, it's a divided, you know, it's a divided camp, right? I think that people, certain uh, regulators are going to try to come in hard hopefully it's more of a dialogue. I mean, that's, I think that's what the best you can, you can do. And you hope that leaders in this space use this opportunity also to be a voice for this space, because there's a lot of great companies and a lot of great founders who are doing the right thing. And also with the regulation comes another, other like incredible pockets of innovation. Um, Absolutely. You know, we remember kind of 
over a decade ago when you know even uber was just starting up and all of the regulation and regulatory um kind of deal making with cities and states um and obviously the taxi lobbies etc to create a very big business you know and i think folks that really get it and can unlock um you know these pockets of growth and innovation for founders um yeah are, are always going to win right like like the energy is always on the founder's side um yeah. and um but i but again i think yeah I, I i you know i think we agree like that's like a sign of like an early industry that's about to explode like all of these things you know yeah. that are happening like the ftx blow up and then like the elizabeth warren bill and like all of these this is like the the, the ground floor of something really special um so when is eth back up to 3k any uh <laughs> if any i predictions? if i could predict that i wouldn't need a job um <laughs> uh, <laughs> next week no yeah. um if, if i mean if you've got a crystal ball like let me know <laughs> what was your missing seed phrase this is going to be like a uh oh shit. What, was, what, what was my missing seed phrase? <laughs> what was your missing seed actually don't don't, I don't tell us that. Don't, don't tell us that. Don't tell us your mother's maiden name. I'm don't tell us that. your birthday. Don't tell us the so first street. You'll, you'll be happy you to know. On. You'll be happy to know that Chainalysis provides all employees with like one of those password generators for your one password accounts. And I wasn't using it at first and was heavily reprimanded, rightly so. So yeah. all of my passwords are words and configurations I could never remember. So info is safe. Should we um, download like everything to a to a cold to cold to a cold wallet? Should we remove all of our crypto from all of the exchanges and lock yeah, it in? You, could, you know, I, listen. I think self custody is has its own potential pitfalls if you don't know what you're doing, right? right? Like like me in 2016, 2017, right? Like we had our crypto on a treasure and I lost it. So I, I mean, I think there is. Right. There's a time and a place for um, self-custody. I think if you're going to get in the space in general, you should educate yourself before you get into it about the risks, about the uh, the custodian options, about when you should use options, when you shouldn't, when to have your you know crypto on an exchange, when not to. Like There is an amount of self-education I think people are not doing when they jump into the space that would, I think, you know, it, it would help all of us out. I wonder if that guy in the UK is still looking for his... Um... You know, in the dumpster the like 100 million yeah, or whatever I, it is of which is no longer 100 million but like in the dumpster listen, uh, if, I were, if i were him I, i'd still be looking too <laughs> totally um well listen uh it's been a real pleasure to have you on on the show um this is like such like an end of the year holiday show i've got the grinch sweater on and we had scion with a dirty diaper and resh had to run so it's like chaos over here like the holidays um, so like the holidays are, but we really, uh, you know, appreciate your patience and all of your insight and congratulations on your amazing career. And, you know, we're excited to, I know we're at ENIAC, super excited to collaborate with you and, and the founders that we meet um, to send your way. And Danielle, I guess, how, how can people find out um, more about you and, and how to get in touch with you? What's the best way? Um, LinkedIn is probably the best way to find me um, live, proud, you know, Displayed. And, you know, um, I will say, like, if you're interested in crypto, you're not really sure if it's for you or not. 
um, you go to the Chainalysis website and there are free materials that can just educate you about the basics about what crypto is. Um, it's a great place just to dip your toe, learn a little bit about the hot topics and then, you know, see if the, in if the industry has interest for you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Have a great holiday. You too. Thanks for being on Debro and Crypto. <laughs> Bye. Sign it off.